You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Many of you who've been here for a number of years will know how significant Nick has been in the life of this church and coming and speaking in specific seasons, speaking to people personally, bringing prophetic words in the timing of God that have brought release and breakthrough and we're deeply grateful for what you've ministered into the house. Nick Nick leads a church, a brilliant church in Melbourne that's quickly becoming a network of churches and we're honoured to have you with us. I know this morning he's carrying a word, not so much personal prophecies, although probably at any given time Nick can uh, erupt with personal prophecies, but I know he's carrying a word for us as a church here this morning as we go into the next stage of our life. So please open your hearts this morning to receive the word that he's carrying. And let's give him a really warm welcome as he comes to minister to us this morning. Fantastic. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you all? Are you doing well? Fantastic. Are you sitting next to somebody you'd like? Who's not sure? Put your hand up if you're going, man, I don't know about where I'm sitting. Brilliant, brilliant. Who's sitting next to their husband or wife? Put your hand up. Are you happy there? Right, right. Do you know, in our our churches, uh, we we have this thing called pastoring your row. Uh, You'll be surprised how many people sit in the same place every Sunday. Uh, You know, we have people that they just sit and they refuse to move. It's like they've bought the seat. Actually, some of them have. That's how we've raised money to get the seats. But, you know, one of the things that happens sometimes when we come to church, you know, it's not about us. It's about other people. And I have found that in a crowd, you can get lost. What I love about Jesus is that he was in crowds all the time, but he was able, because of his sensitivity, to just be drawn to the one individual. And uh, we do this thing called Pastor Your Row. And I'd just like you to look down your row just for a moment. You do that. Just look down to the left and to the right. Who knows everybody in their row? Well, your front row. Thank God you guys all know each other. You'd have a bit of trouble if you didn't. But did you, did you see that? Not everybody knows who's in their row. I wonder what would happen in church if we actually took the time to just find out who's in our row and pastor our row. I just wonder what would happen in the atmosphere of the church. And I'd encourage you to do that because you just don't know who's in your row and who God wants to minister. And you can do ministry. You don't have to be up here to, do, to minister. We're a family and we're the body of Christ. And I think that's absolutely awesome. Hey, I was sitting uh, near Mary this morning. I was just admiring her hair. Mary, I, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to. Would you just stand up for me? Look at this hairdo. Man, alive. Look at it. That. I was thinking, surely I could do something with it, you know. I've got a wave in my hair. It's permanently waving goodbye. So it's a bit of a problem, but we're getting there. You know, God is so good, and and I'm really thankful for His grace. And uh, it's so good to be here. You are one of my favorite churches, and I don't say that lightly. You really are. You are one of my favorite churches in uh, my travels, and I just feel uh, connected here, and I just love your pastors, and I love your team. And what what an outstanding couple that lead your church. Aren't they amazing? Absolutely amazing. And uh, 
man, to see what's happened. You know, I haven't been here for a couple of years, but I just sense uh, the incredible hunger. I, I don't know how you've nurtured this, but don't lose that. Whatever you do, don't, don't lose the hunger that you have for God. I think that's amazing. Uh, the, the fact the church is pretty well doubled. Uh, it doesn't happen in a lot of churches. You don't get what you have here. But, but can I say this? You need to guard it. You need to protect it. Uh, and this is only the beginning. You're still in your foundational stages in some ways. Um, but there's some, something of God here that is so, uh, so incredible. Um, and this church is going to touch nations. Do you know that? This church is going to touch nations. I see other buildings. I see other campuses. Um, I, I, I just see, you know, ministries being raised up. This is going to be a house that will train up, uh, not just ministries, but sons and daughters will be raised up in this house. And they'll be sent to the different places of the UK and even beyond that. Uh, but they'll stay connected. The heartbeat of this church will be represented in other locations. And you need to give God a big shout of praise and thank Him for that. And um, some of those... Uh, some of those haven't even been born yet. Like, for instance, I'm looking at Sarah. Sarah, man, you know, you're doing fantastic, you know. I've had three children and I'm still carrying the baby fat. So it takes a bit of time, you know. But I'll tell you, I'm watching your worship lead. Oh, man, what do you carry? You're not just carrying that baby, but, you know, man, that baby is special. You know, it's just one of many, and I just see God's, you know, we're, 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 we so vision because of the babies that are being carried. Lisa, incredible, incredible people. And, the, and these, these children, that's what it's about. That's why we, we keep moving on into the presence of God and the purpose of God, not for the now, but for what the future, and they're carrying the future, and I think that's absolutely amazing. Come on, give God one more shout of praise and thank Him. <clears throat> Joe? You better stop or you're going to draw me into places that after, you know, we're going to have a different sort of a meeting. Is that all right? But you need to come back at 22.11 because if you don't, I'll keep going. Is that okay? Fantastic. Brilliant. So this morning, I want to just share a word with your church that I believe is a seasonal word. And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I really feel I'm, I'm more here uh, to deliver this word that I am even for the encounter weekend. And it, it's really strange in a sense, well not strange, it's God's divine appointment that I was here, I think, uh, literally the first year that you were here and spoke into the life of the church and uh, at the beginning. And it's interesting because our journeys have a little bit been together because, uh, you know, um, I've been pastoring our church for five years. Actually, on 20, uh, November the 16th, we turned five years old. And we started with 20 people, and uh, it was a broken down church. It had lost its way. It's lost its vision. It, w it used to be a flagship church. It did have a building. We had to have knock the building down. And, uh, uh, you know, we've now got a brand new building. Let me tell you, I'm so thankful for the God that we've got a brand new. It's very similar to this. We run conferences in it. I could tell you so many stories about it. Um, but in the last five years, what's happened is not only do we have one campus, we now have five campuses. Now, don't get too excited about th that and think, well, what a great leader, because we've inherited quite a few of those campuses because we lack leadership uh, in our nation. You'll be amazed at how we lack leadership. Uh, but God has been very, very gracious to 
to us. And I just stood up in front of our executive, our, our leadership team of all our five congregations. And um, I, I said to them the other day, I said, you know, this was our leadership meeting. I said, you know, we're, we're about to turn five years old. But the question I want to pose to you today is where will we be in the next five years? The decisions that we have to make today is what will our church look like in the next five years? We can't just live in the moments of today. We need to make sure that we look to the future for the sake of the next generations that are following us. Do you know, I'm a baby boomer. I'm 58 years old, and I have three generations that are following me. I can't make decisions just for me. I wish I could. The church would look a lot different if the decisions were made just about me. And, you know, as you get older, it, it, you know, change becomes a little bit more difficult. But, you know, anything that's healthy, anything that's growing will change. How many of you know that? And we need to embrace those changes. And so I began to just share some thoughts about, you know, the next stages of our development, the next stages of our growth. And this morning, what I want to do is, you know, I, I just have this, there's a great sense here and a great desire for the hunger of God, but there's a great desire, I believe, to access new levels of God. How many of you have a desire to go into new levels of God? Put your hand up for me. Do you know, I really believe there's a, there's a desire and there's a hunger to go to those new levels of the Spirit. And so what I want to do today is I want to just give you some, some keys that will help you uh, to access new levels in God. What are some of the keys? Look, there's quite a few, but I'm just going to hone in on the heartbeat of most probably what I feel is the most important. So here's my first point. The first point is this, that maturity gives you greater access to God's authority, his anointing, and his influence. Do you know that really if you want to go to a new level, a new stage in what God has got for you, it's really all about your internal growth, which means maturity. Now, how many of you like that word. How many of you are going, I've turned off right there, brother. But you know what? That's where it really begins that we take personal responsibility to go, God, I want to go to the next level. But to go to the next level will demand that we continue to grow in our maturity in God. Now, over the last two years, my youngest uh, son and his wife uh, have, have given us two beautiful grandchildren. And I know Pastor Nicholas showed you pictures of his grandchildren last week. Well, I'm going to show you pictures of mine. Is that right? So can I just have a picture of River? So this is my little grandson. His name's River. And right there, he's ordering pizza. You know, he's ringing up and saying, I'll have, you know, five pizzas, three trays of ravioli and bring some garlic bread. He is the cutest little boy. He melts my heart. When my wife and I know that we're visiting, you know, our grandchildren, we become like these two children so excited to see our grandchildren. Now, I love him. He is absolutely gorgeous. And my phone, I've had to take further... Um, um, 
data because I've taken so much video of them that they've totally filled my phone. And he's got this fascination. Right now, his fascination is cars. And every time he sees a car, he goes, car, 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 car. And he loves, he loves sitting in my car and playing with the steering wheel. And he sees the keys and guess what? He wants the keys. And guess what? He ain't getting my keys. Now, let me tell you, I love him. I absolutely love him. I would do anything for him. He, he, he twists me around. He's got me twisted around his little finger. As soon as I get there, he just takes a hold of me, and it's all you've got to pay attention to me. But as much as I love him, he ain't getting my keys. Now, why is that? The reason he's not getting my keys is it's not because I don't love him. It's not because I don't want to invest in his future, but because he doesn't have the maturity to take a hold of that vehicle. Now, one day he will, and I'll give him my wife's keys, you know what I mean? But <laughs> one day he will. And it's hot up here. Thank you, sir. Look at Martin, he's amazing. And, um, you know, I, he, he does. I love him with all my heart, but the reality is, He's not going to get the car keys because he doesn't have the maturity. And as good as that vehicle is and as much as he loves it, I know he would destroy his life. Do you know many times in our life we want to go to new levels in God and God wants to give us the keys of the kingdom, but he doesn't give them to us because we don't have the maturity to handle what he's got for us. And I see so many churches that are saying, hey, do you know, I want to go to a new level in God. I see people that want to go into new levels in God. But do you know what? They haven't actually embraced the reality that unless you keep growing, unless you keep maturing, you will limit the access that you have, not just to your future and destiny, but to the keys of the kingdom. And you'll be surprised how many churches that I go and visit to, I come back to churches and I come back because people keep inviting me back. And this is what I see. They're stuck in the same place. They haven't actually moved on and grown. And I'm not talking just about numerical growth. I'm talking about spiritual growth, emotional growth. And, you know, it, it's amazing because one of the things that churches today and one of the things that's very, very sad is that discipleship is a lost concept. Discipleship today is a lost concept. People want spiritual experiences, but they don't want to grow up spiritually. You'll be amazed at how many places want me to come just to, just to create, you know, a, 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 for, for people to have a spiritual experience. And that's all great because spiritual experiences are important for our growth. But if that's where we stay and that's where we land then let me tell you, friends, we will not access the future. We will not access the, the gifts, the authority, the anointing, and the influence that a church can have. Now, this is what I sense about this church. I sense that this church wants to keep moving forward. Can I hear an amen to that? I believe this is a church that wants to continue to take a hold of its destiny, of its future, of the generations that are following it. And if you are that church, let me tell you, what's ahead of you is far greater than what's behind you. Let me tell you what you, when you'll rejoice. You'll rejoice when you're seeing your grandkids serving Jesus Christ. You'll rejoice when you're seeing your grandkids preach. Who knows what the next generation is going to bring. Who knows what God's going to do with them. But if you stop in your tracks and you stop growing, you will not access the future and future generations. Are you enjoying this word? Is that all right? 
Is that okay? Do you know, I don't know why, but boy, boy, it's been hard to grow up. I'm 58 years old, and I feel like I've been a late bloomer. I feel like the, one of the greatest challenges of my life has been to grow up. And um, do you know, when I was 36 years old, I was being mentored by this prophetic ministry. Uh, he, he was amazing. He, he would come to our church, and he would, I would, because I was part of the leadership team, he pulled me out. For three years, he came and he pulled me out year after year. And he pulled me out and he said, there's a prophetic mantle on your life. I didn't even know what I was talking about. I'd not been exposed to that sort of gifting. You know, he came the second year, and you know, the third year. People kept asking me, what is that all about? I said, I don't know. I don't, is he saying pro prophetic or is he saying pathetic? I said, I'm not really sure really what it is. And then I got so frustrated. I said to him, can I come with you? You know, can you please mentor me? I cried out to him and he was from another nation and he said come to this this camp I want to tell you man I went to this camp I was there for for five days and I, I don't know what happened to me but it was like my life got turned upside down I began to travel with him and uh, you know he, he was very gracious he let me do some uh, seminars with me and with him and he, he would minister to a level that I'd never ever experienced and uh, you know he was he was mentoring me and then one day because I was so insecure you know my, my biggest challenges and if you're honest, our biggest challenges, the reason we go through so much crisis many times is because of our immaturity and our insecurity. Let me tell you, if it all, when it all boils down, most of the issues that I've had to face is because of my immaturity and my insecurities, and they're connected. And so I was wanting, you know, I was wanting affirmation. I was wanting validation. And so I began to probe him and ask some questions and say to him, hey, how do you feel I'm going? How do you think I'm going? Because I wanted his affirmation. Man, I was so insecure. I wanted his affirmation. I'm 36 years old. And I think I must have pushed a button. I think I really annoyed him because he turned around and he said, do you really want to know? And then I knew I'd stepped over a line. And I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, in some areas of your life, you, you are way beyond your years. You, you're like a 40-year-old. He said, but there's other areas of your life, you act like an 18-year-old, and I feel sorry for your wife. And all I'm thinking is, thank God she's not here to hear that, because she'd agree. And it was like, it was nearly like, this is a prophetic ministry, and you need to understand something about, you know, an Ephesians 4.11 prophet, they don't just encourage they also confront. And it was like in that moment, he went whack. And then as my cheek was going this way, he just slapped me the other way. And it was, a, it was like a wake-up call. And for the first time in my life, I took a good look at myself. And I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like some of the things that, that, that I was carrying. And, um, you know, in, in, my, in my personhood. And uh, it, it was the moment that began to change many things in my life. Now, let me just say this to you, and this is going to sound like a boast. I can do ministry pretty well. I can do it pretty good. God uses me, and, and a lot of that's because of the grace of God. But I wasn't doing life well. There were things that were happening. I was, I was constantly angry. I was constantly, and you know what? The anger came out of frustration. It came out of fear. I'd minister powerfully, come home, and I was like a different person. My wife would say to me, who are we getting today? Which Nick is coming home today? 
Now, the reason I'm being this open with you today is because I've had to work through those issues. I have found this. It's better to be vulnerable and open and honest than try and put a facade on. Because if I don't, I'm not going to grow. I had to take a look in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw. But that wake-up call began... Uh, to, to make me address issues in my life, internal issues of the heart, immaturities and insecurities that had actually limit my growth. And that's why in our church now, you know, when we're developing and we're discipling our leaders, we no longer disciple them to ministry. You know, it, it, there's a danger in discipling your leaders just to ministry. Jesus didn't, we, we actually disciple them to life because ministry comes out of your life. You know, Jesus didn't say in John 10.10, 10, he didn't say, I've come to give you ministry and ministry in its abundance. He said, I've come to give you life and life in its abundance. And ministry comes out of life. So now the, our template for mentoring and our template for discipleship is fivefold. It's got five prongs to it. Firstly, we talk to our staff and our, our leaders about their physical life. Now, when I get back, my wife's already told me that we're going to be doing a little bit of, uh, you know, body work, and especially on my body. I keep reminding us, dear, I've had three children. I've told you, you know, this is just, you know, give me some grace, you know. But, you know, I, I, as I'm getting older, it's getting harder to travel. It's getting harder to do what I do. And, you know, my staff, most of them are quite fit. Um, but we have to talk about our physical life. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to limit God you know, because of my undiscipline in the areas of my physical life. And it is a discipline. I'm Italian. Please give me a break. I love pizza. I love ravioli. I love lasagna. You know, it's the disposition. It's my makeup. But, you know, the second thing we do is we, we, we um, disciple people in their emotional life. You know, your emotions have got to, your soul has got to do with your mind, the way you think, your emotions, the way you feel, and your will, the way you act. If you think wrong and you feel wrong, you're going to act wrong. And I was subject to that. My soul was so damaged. You know, I, I was brought up in a, in a dysfunctional home. I did not realize the dysfunctionality. Even though my parents loved me, even though they provided for me, what happened is that there was this dysfunctional side and a disconnection. I hardly talked to my parents. I had no relationship with my parents. I did not know family closeness. And then I marry a girl who's a farm girl, who's an incredible person. They have incredible family closeness. I mean, their family closeness, this is, you know, when, when we go to Meredith's side of the family, I tell you, it, it's like another world for me. And I could never understand that. And so, you know, I, I grew up in this broken world and my emotional life needed God to touch it. But because of my immaturity, what I did is I compensated it by my spirituality. Am I speaking to someone here today? Do you understand what I'm talking about? And so we mentor them in the area of their emotions. We mentor them in the area of their spirit. We, enter, we, we mentor them in the area of their relationships. It's so important that they have great relationships. We mentor them in the area of their finances. Do you know, I've, we've got five campuses and I've got young staff. Um, Charles, Chris, Apulli and April, who are um, my, my campus pastors at, at our uni hill. It's where I'm based. This is the church that went from 20, now it's 400, and we have a brand new building. We've just opened up our Hope Center. He is 31 years old, pastoring over 400 people. 
That young man is an incredible preacher. He's fearless. I've never seen a young man at the age of 31, he is absolutely fearless. He preaches incredibly. Last week I got a phone call and my wife said to me, man, he, he preached this message, 31 years old, he preached this message. He said the whole church, it was like the whole church just moved forward. Now the boy, the young man can preach and he's full of passion. He's an evangelist with a prophetic anointing on his life. He can preach. If he was here today, you'd see a move of God because that's the passion of his heart. But boy, oh boy, you know, what I love about Charles is because this is our template of maturity, you know, he is so open because we try to teach our staff these three things. Number one, you've got to be vulnerable. Number two, you've got to be responsible. And number three, you've got to be accountable. If you're going to grow in the new seasons and levels of God, that's what needs to happen. And what I love about Charles is he is such an open book. This is why he is going to be a great leader. He's going to be a great leader, not because he's a great preacher. He's going to be a great leader because he continues to address issues in his life. And I tell you, when he hits 40, that apostolic emergence, that apostolic anointing upon his life is going to be very, very evident. And this is what he does. And he does this constantly. If ever he starts to get out of whack in his home life, you know, one day he came into my office quite sheepish and he said, Pastor Nick, he said, I, I, I've, I, I think I've just handled some things wrong at home. I said, really? What happened? He said, well, I, I, I got really upset with April. And I raised my voice to her and, and I think I've heard her. Now she works for us too. And I said, well, bring her in here. Ask if she can come in. I want you to both come in. And you know, they both come in and, and uh, I, I let her talk and she just began to cry and this was in the early days when they first started working for me. And she began to cry and, you know, I got them to pray for each other and they hugged. And I said, okay, take an hour off and go out and uh, take her out for coffee. You know what? That was more important than me teaching them how to preach. And he has never, he, every time he has something go wrong in his family, every time he does something wrong with one of his children, I am so thankful that he humbles himself and comes and, and, and he makes himself accountable. He makes himself vulnerable. He makes himself responsible. And that's why that young man is going to be a great person of God. Can you give God a hand of praise for that today? And friends, let me tell you. If you want to go to new levels in God, you have to address those personal issues in your life. And we've all got them. We've all got them. Let me tell you, you know, um, I'm still working through things. It never stops. You think that you arrive and, and, and God, you know, just seems to address another area of your life. But if you're going to be significant, let me tell you, if you're going to really grab a hold of what God's got for you, then that's where it starts. It starts on a personal basis. And if everybody, could you imagine if everybody in this church took a hold of this and says, you know what, our next step, our next stage in God, God wants us to go this. But if we all took a personal responsibility, what would happen to this church? What would be the influence and the authority? God would then give us the keys to the kingdom and we would see a new level of anointing, a new level of influence, a whole new level of authority established in our lives. Here's the second point very, very quickly. Maturity, oh, by the way, let me go to the third photo. This is winter. That's my granddaughter. And she, look at those eyes. She just makes you melt 
and uh, she's good. That, that's Winter saying to her, now listen, uh, I got here first, so uh, I'm the boss. This is what he's telling her, I think. Let's go to the, this, the next slide. The next slide, uh, to access new levels of God, uh, maturity is a process uh, of working through the stages of growth. You've got to work... You can't go from one stage to the ultimate stage. There is a process of stages you have to work through. This church at the moment is at a certain stage of its anointing and authority and influence. But there are many stages to go to really fulfill the destiny and the purpose that God has for it. Let me give you some examples. For instance, parenting. Did you know, can we just have that? Parenting has three stages of parenting. You know, when my kids turned teenagers, everybody said to me, oh, well, get ready for the change. How many of you got teenage kids? Put your hand up. Get ready for the change. The emotional change, they're going to do this and they're going to do that. What a shame because, you know, in the Jewish culture, actually, if you study the Jewish culture, they didn't have such a thing as teenage years. That's a concept that was born out of 1950s after the World War II. Uh, the reason for that is that the, in, the teenage years were introduced. It's an American concept, but it is not a biblical truth. The biblical reality is that you went from child to adult training. When you turned 12, there was what we call the bar mitzvah. The bar mitzvah uh, was the indication that you were now going into adult training for 17 years. 30 became the year of maturity. That's why you could access your inheritance at 30. You couldn't ask for your inheritance. You did not come into full levels of maturity. You weren't given the keys of authority until you were 30. The prodigal son, when we read the the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verse 15, this is what we think. We think he was a teenager. We think he was maybe about 21. Let me tell you, he must have been over 30 because he couldn't have asked for his inheritance unless he had been over 30. That means he made a willful decision to totally disobey his father. Amazing. So in the Jewish culture, we actually, 17 years, can you imagine if we had, if it, as soon as our, our, our young people turned you know, 12, 13, we began to educate them how to be adults for 17, what would that do? That's why, you know, many, there's many, you know, maturity is not an age thing. I know people that are 75 and they still act like kids. Who knows a few? It's not an age thing. It's a decision thing. It's a process thing. But parenting, you know, in parenting, oh man, this this is what happens in parenting. In parenting, you have to change as the parent. You've got to take a different stage. In parenting, you go from commander, which is from naught to 12, you're the commander. I love being the commander. We're the boss. You will do this. Well, you try that. I'm 58 years old. My mother's five foot two. She still thinks I'm in the commander stage. You know, she ring, I ring her and she still tells me, you will do this. That's the first stage. But the second stage, you've got to grow as a parent. If you don't go to the second stage of growth, you are not going to help your children develop, emotionally develop. And the second stage is what we call the counselling stage, where you've got to help and transition in your parenting to try and teach your children that there's a consequence to every decision they make. And you have to start to let them go to understand what the process of life is, that that life can be a challenge. And if you don't help them to do that, see, that never happened to me. My parents kept me in the commander stage. And so when I got married, 
Do you know, my wife let me know very quickly that I had not married my mother. Because my mother used to do everything for me. And I could tell you some stories. I woke up very, very quickly realising she said to me one day, and she loves me, she said to me one day, because I was sort of expecting her to do things that my mother would do, she said to me, I am not your mother. The third stage is what we call the, you know, the companion stage when your kids get you know, beyond 21 and you begin to walk with them and encourage them and it's not an issue that they lose respect, it's an issue of your own personal growth. Did you know that love and intimacy is the same? Did you know that there are six stages of true intimacy in marriage? How many of you are married? Put your hand up high, high, really, who's happily married? There's a few hands that just went like this and just... <laughs> But did you know there's six stages of, of, uh, of intimacy and love? This is how it starts. The first one is what we call romantic love, the honeymoon stage. Uh, this, there was a couple here. You're, in, you're engaged. You're not married yet. When are you getting married? August next year. Great. You're going to have six great months after you're married. It's going to be absolutely awesome. It's going to be called your honeymoon stage, maybe even longer. Who's still in their honeymoon stage? Come on, put your hand up. Yeah, yeah. My wife is an author. She's written <clears throat> 17 books. 16 of them are about romantic love. She's, she's a historical uh, Christian romantic writer. And that, that's understandable. I live with her and it's all the love that I pour on her. That's why all the books, you know, she's just because out, the, 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 out of the heart, out of the heart, the pen writes, you know. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried because her last book is a murder mystery, so I'm not really sure where the heck we are going with this. But the first stage is romantic love, and, and that's what brings us together. It's that connection point of emotion. But then the next stage is what we call the awakening love, is where we wake up and realize that we're married to someone who's totally different to us, and we start to try and change them. And it's in that process uh, that something begins to happen to them because if they don't work through that process, you know, in my generation, we used to call it the seven-year itch, that all of a sudden you, you, you find out that you've actually got different personalities and stuff like that. And if you don't work through that process, many people, that's when they exit the marriage. In Australia now, we no longer have the seven-year itch we have the two-year scratch. People are bailing out of their marriages two years out and the two-year you know, scratch has become they scratch their eyes out. It's, it's a disaster because they don't understand that, that marriage, that love is not something, you don't, you don't fall in love. There's not this huge hole. All the young people are looking for the hole. Where's the hole? Where's the hole? Man, where's the hole? Oh, there's the hole. I'm going to go. And you know what? You fall in the hole and then for the rest of their life, they're trying to get out of the hole. Love grows changes but it's got to go through stages and and all of a sudden if you if you get through the you know the awakening stage and you realize that all of a sudden there's a there's a clash you come to the next stage which is called the adjustment stage where you begin to surrender your will because that's what it's about if you love someone you surrender and then if you get through that stage, that's when unity really comes. And if you get through that stage, that's where intimacy comes. Actually, what happens is you should be more in love with your spouse further down the track than when you first start. Usually people get married, it's more of a notion. But I've been married next year on January the 8th at 2 o'clock. I will have been married 35 years. Isn't that fantastic? 
And as parents, and I can honestly say this, man, on this trip, it has been really difficult. I, I have been absolutely missing my wife, my grandkids, my kids. That doesn't that that has happened. Because there's there's a depth there. Now here's my challenge to you. Churches have three stages of maturity. I was reading the Bible one day from cover to cover, which I would encourage you to do. And this is what I read. It was, it was, I began to see the, the, the journey of the nation of Israel and I began to see its, its maturity. And um, as I began to read from Exodus right through to Kings, this is what I noticed, that there were three stages of the maturity of the nation of Israel. The first stage is what we call the deliverance stage. It was typified by Moses being a deliverer. All Moses could do was deliver the people out of Egypt, out of their slavery, but they still stayed in a survival mentality. The second stage, if you look at it, is what we call the possessing stage, which is typified by the Joshua leadership. Joshua was a leader and he was able to bring the people into possessing their promise. But here's the thing, if you look at it, straight after Joshua is the book of Ruth and Judges. And because Joshua did not raise up the next generation, because he did not look at the next generation and begin to mature his people for that next transition, they went back to Judges. They went back to a deliverance mentality. The third stage is what we call the kingdom stage. It was typified by David being the king and he established the kingdom that now they lived in authority. They lived with this incredible anointing. They lived with influence that went throughout the land. Now, my question to you this morning is not just about your own personal growth, but it's about the growth of this church. You know, this church has the call of God on it to be a kingdom-minded church. This church has the incredible opportunity to take a step forward and grab a hold of the kingdom. I believe that you've been in one particular stage and you've seen some good things happen. Let me tell you, you, God has blessed you. You've seen some good things happen. But let me tell you, it's time to go to another stage. It's time to go to another level, not just for your sake, but for the sake of the generations that are following you. I wonder if you could stand to your feet. Would you do that? Would you give God a hand of praise today? Would you do that and say, God, today. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I did this five years ago. I remember it. Five years ago, I actually asked you all to take a step forward. I'm going to ask you to do that again. Is that okay to step into this next stage? You know, sometimes you have to, sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes you don't totally understand it. You can just have a sense of it. You might not have everything crystallized. You might not have everything articulated. But let me tell you, in the, in the spirit of this house, you can sense that God wants to bring you into a new set, in a new stage of His authority and anointing. And what's going to happen is... When that happens, the church will be mobilized in a, such a strategic way that, you know, God is going to release ministries like never before. But if this church, with this great opportunity, does not take that opportunity, what will happen is you will stay where you are and what you will do, you will enjoy the season that you're in, you'll enjoy the benefits of that season, but you will literally forfeit the, the blessings and the incredible impact that you will have not just to the city, but the nations of the world. So are you ready to go forward? Can I just, can I activate that in your spirit today? So I just wonder, now listen, this has got to do with your own personal growth. 
There are some people here, when I was talking about my own emotional brokenness and some of the challenges that I've had to work through, I said that not to put myself down. I said that to make you understand I live where you live. If you think that, you know, I've got some special, God's given me some special anointing that I don't have to work through the process of life, you've got another thing coming. Man, I could tell you some stories. I could tell you some of the, the stuff that I've had to work through and still working through. I could tell you some of the damage that I have unfortunately created in my own life and even in my family's life because I did not address certain issues. I'm just being honest. Is it okay to be that honest? Is it okay? Because some of you think that it's all about your spirituality. Let me tell you, it's about your heart. To go to another level, you have to address the inner workings of your heart that stop you and hold you from going forward. When that happens, God doesn't just, let me tell you, God's not just about blessing you. He's about building you. He wants to build His kingdom. So look, take a step back to your chair as close as you can. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to move forward. As you do this, this is what I want you to think of. I want you to to personally go, you know what, Pastor? I'm going to take that on board for my own personal life. Husbands, take it on board because you are the head of the home. Wives, take it on board because you nurture the home. If you keep moving forward, let me tell you, that blessing will come upon your kids and you're going to see your kids built. But if then, if you can corporately think about this, take a hold of it because of your church. This church has got a great future. This is like a lighthouse. It's a hub. It's an apostolic hub that will spread out to the right, to the left. Descendants will come. God is going to do some amazing things if you continue to move through the stages of growth. Are you ready? On the count of three, we are going to move forward together and we're going to give God a mighty shout of praise. Are you ready? One, two, three. Come on. Now, come on, give him a shout of praise and say, God, we want to see, want to see your kingdom advance. We 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 want to see your kingdom advance. Come on now, lift your hands towards heaven and just begin just to worship him just for a moment.